Thank you, Pastor Russ, and good morning. Welcome. <clears throat> I was looking last night, and it has been quite a while since I've preached 2,589 days, to be exact. <laughs> yes, I looked back up. It was December 29th of 2014, the last time that I was uh, preaching, and who knows? Well, depending on how this goes, it might be 2,500 days <laughs> before I do it again, so you're in for a treat, I hope. Uh, today, we're going to continue in our series that Pastor Russ has been uh, doing with us, uh, our One Another series. Uh, remember, week one, we talked about considering one another. Uh, week two, we talked about loving one another and how important that is. And week three, we talked about, that was last week, we talked about encouraging one another. But today, we're going to talk about something that uh, I think is near to my heart, and that's serving one another. Uh, we're going to talk about outserving, what it means to outserve one another. You know, it's not so much that we, uh, we're not going to talk about how we like to be served, but we're going to talk about how much we should serve others. So uh, the passage today that we're going to uh, start with is in Galatians uh, chapter 13. I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verses 13 and 15. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up into this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I think we've all been taught that since we were little children, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And then it continues, verse 15, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I think there's a tension that churches probably have where there's a church that uh, serves, and then you've probably been to a church where you feel like you're being bitten all the time. Or, and the same thing's probably true at restaurants and uh, places that you could work. But when I start thinking about serving and uh, just restaurants, for example, it reminds me of this. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was going to Chick-fil-A. Amen. So, yeah, it wasn't on a Sunday, but I went to Chick-fil-A. And if you don't know me, uh, you'll learn I'm, I like Diet Coke. I can't help it. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to Diet Coke. So um, I was in the drive-thru uh, getting some lunch, and I had placed my order. Was, it was long, you know, that Dunkin' drive-thru can get sometimes. But I got, finally got up to the window, and they are handing my things. This is Austin. Yes, I'm Austin. They hand me a my Diet Coke, and it's one of those little small glasses of Diet Coke, and I'm like, wait, 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 like, uh, I'm sorry, I might have accidentally said uh, small or didn't say large, but it's been like 10 years since I've not ordered a large Diet Coke in the drive-thru. I will pay the extra. Can, can you swap it out for me, please, because this little shot glass of Diet Coke's not going to last <laughs> past the trash can at the drive-thru, so... I, um, the lady said, sure. Uh, she turned around, they fixed it, took the small away, gave me a large Diet Coke, and they just said, take it, don't, because I tried to pay, and they're like, don't worry about it, and then everyone knows what they said next. My pleasure. So, that's in, uh, amazing. Like, they just gave me a large Diet Coke. I mean, I paid for a small, but, so they lost some sense there, but you probably, like me, can, have you ever been somewhere else, like let's say you've been at Best Buy and you've been at the checkout, and when you finish, the person checking out says, uh, you're like, have a great day, and they're like, no, sure, my pleasure. And I'm, 
is it just me or is, does everyone else think, man, that person must have worked at Chick-fil-A? It happens all the time. It doesn't, I'll be at QT, and they'll say, the, the cashier, my pleasure. I'm like, huh, you've worked at, Q, you've worked at Chick-fil-A. So uh, these, the, 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 the thing about the whole Chick-fil-A thing is it costs them some money to make me happy that day. So it costs them to serve me. Um, and we're going to talk more about that here in a minute, about the cost that it, of serving. When it comes to my marriage, I am really good at keeping score. Does anybody else in here relate? So, I, you know, I've got the checklist. Yeah. I picked up the boys at school, you know, took the trash out, yeah. loaded the refrigerator up with Diet Coke. Uh, you know, I, I'm always checking off what I do for others, for my spouse, for my kids. And, and, and I'm, maybe you're that way. And I'm sure if, I, if you were to ask Angela, uh, she's probably got a checklist, too. She's like, yeah, wash the clothes and you know, cook supper five nights in a row. And, you know, we're really good at keeping score. But today I want us to talk about um, how we can change the way we keep score change our, that scorecard up a little bit. So it doesn't matter if it's a, you're dating or if you're in a relationship with um, someone that you've been in a relationship for 40 years. Maybe this is your first year in a relationship. You can always think about that relationship. So, you know, if you were to ask me, who serves your family? I'd probably say my wife. Just, but, <laughs> but if you were to ask my wife the same question, she would probably say, I do, you know. So, if you say that about your friends at school, who who do, who serves better? You know, we're really good at keeping score when it benefits us. Um, so we're gonna try to change what we measure, and change how we do it. I'm gonna show you a couple of things. Blessings come not from receiving, but from giving. What we're going to see today is you can gain by giving, you win by losing, and we can increase by decreasing. If we do this, we're all going to have a very blessed week. And I'm going to show you in the Bible, it tells us that. It says we're going to be blessed. So I've got a picture I'm going to throw up here of the Last Supper. Everybody's probably seen this. This is a very famous picture from Peter's Instagram I pulled off of there. And so this was... Jesus and his 12 disciples, this was the night before he was crucified or the, the night before he was arrested and then crucified. And they were all together for a final meal. And there's a whole story uh, in the Bible, John chapter 13, 14, 15. Read that sometime this week. It's, uh, it's really good. But we're going to read just a little bit about this today, starting in John chapter 13. So before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave this world and he would return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So, Jesus knew that, he knew what was about to go down. He knew that this was his last night, and he had to go have supper with them. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So, we got that going on. So, you got this dinner happening, and Jesus knows that Judas is about to betray him. So hopefully that doesn't sound like a Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner at your house. But Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and he had come from God 
and we return to God. So, we're going to stop right there a second. That's, so is like one of those words in the Bible where it's like, all this happened and how that happened. And then, so. It's like so many times in the Bible, there's a so or there's a, a but right before the main thing. I, I keep trying to convince a pastor one day that we need to do a sermon series called I Like Big Butts and I Cannot Lie. You know, I think there could just be a lot of cool sermons around that and just find all the big butts in the Bible. Do you think? You like it? Yeah, write that down. So, but what's so crazy about this so right here is what's about to happen next in this story. So, let's go to verse 4 and 5 and show them. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying, with, drying them with a the towel he had around him. Can you imagine what it would have been like to wash someone's feet back in those days? So these 12 guys, 12 buddies, they'd gotten together, Jesus' disciples, they had gotten together for a dinner. They were all peers, and probably in those days, typically when you went into a house for a meal like that, a servant would have washed your feet when you went in the door, you, and then you would have been prepared for the meal. But these were all 12 peers. Nobody was going to, nobody felt like washing anybody's feet. And so Jesus does it. And if we go back to, uh, well, earlier in that verse, it talks about, in verse 1 and 2, it talks about how Jesus was all-powerful, all-knowing. He knew everything that was going to happen. It doesn't say despite that fact he washed that feet. It was because of that he washed their feet. I've got a picture here that shows a little closer. I bet you've never noticed this, but in this photo, you can actually see uh, Leonardo uh, drew in the little toes and everything. So it's like it was made for this. But I, also, if you don't know, back those days, feet would have been extremely dirty because whatever came out of your body during the day and things just ended up on the streets of Jerusalem. So they were walking around in dirt. And so this was, we're not talking about all you pretty uh, toenailed up people, pretty toes with stuff. You know, we're talking, there were no little uh, toenail places back in Jerusalem that I know of. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think they had like the nail palace going back then. So uh, it was amazing that Jesus was going to sit, was going to wash their feet. So he gives them a lesson. That's in John 13, just a few verses later, uh, verses 12 through 17. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you are to wash each other's feet. Keep going. Let's see. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing these. If we do this, the Bible promises that we're going to have a blessed life. If we serve others ahead of ourselves, we're going to have a blessed life, no matter what kind of relationship it is. If it's what can I do for you? And it's such a weird concept. 
It's something we don't really practice a lot. But let's try to outserve one another when our in our marriage. Let's try to outserve one another when we go to school. Let's try to outserve someone at work. John 13, 6 through 8 has a little story here where Jesus came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. Like, you're the master. You're not washing my feet. Can you imagine, Peter, he's standing there in the room and Jesus is coming down the line washing his feet and he just is, he's coming towards Peter and Peter's like, I don't, I don't understand why this is happening. He didn't understand Jesus' teaching in order to be a leader you must first be a servant. It's not an easy passage for someone that is not comfortable. Uh, if you find it hard to serve others, this is probably not very comfortable for you. How, how do you treat those people that are under you? How do you treat your children? How do you treat those at work? How do you treat volunteers? Remember, you gain by giving, you win by losing, and you increase by decreasing. He gained Jesus was going to gain by giving up his life. He laid down his life, which looked like losing to the world, but in so doing, he gave salvation to the world. And he increased by dying and going to the cross, and is now he's seated at the highest seat of authority over the entire world. You'll want to lose if you do this. You'll want to gain, you'll want to increase, and you'll... Your mindset will change. You'll start changing the way you're keeping score. It reminds me of, uh, I was thinking about a story. Uh, this was over 10 years ago. I was on a church mission trip in Nicaragua. And if you've ever been on a mission trip like that, uh, when you sit around at night, there's not uh, ESPN and things on TV that you can just turn on to do. There's pretty much nothing. I mean, there's power. That's it kids would be like, what are we going to do? Because did, did anybody's children the other day when it was about to snow just go, what are we going to do if the internet goes out? I'm like, the internet? What are we going to do if the power goes out? What are we going to do if the internet goes out? But So there's no internet where we were. So we were sitting around playing card games, and one night we were playing, uh, we were teaching some of the guys that live there in Nicaragua spoons. Hey, anybody not know what spoons are? Yep, everybody under 20, never heard of it. We're, so Spoons, we're playing spoons, and we're trying to teach them. And spoons, you know, you got all your cards, and you're passing them around fast. You're trying to match up your cards. And then the, 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 the goal of the game is whoever can sneakily, that's not even a word, but sneakily sneak a spoon out real quick, you're going to win. So we're playing. We're passing them around. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the guys there, the Nicaraguans, he matches all his cards. And he's like, I got it. Let's get a spoon. And he yells it out. And we're like, no, man, that's not, that's not how you do this. We try again. We're all passing them around, passing them around. And this guy sitting right beside me, his name was Carlos. And Carlos, he's got all his matched up first. And he taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, I got all mine. Let's get a spoon. And I'm like, no, Carlos. We can't do that. Like, they could not understand how to play. They were playing a different game. They just wanted us to win. Like, they, they were so other-focused, they couldn't even play a simple game like Spoons and, and win a game. What if we pre treated people in our church and community like that? 
If we're going to love like Jesus, we've got to be other-focused. Everyone uh, has to focus on serving instead of being served. I don't really feel like that's a problem here at Four Points. I was thinking back to some previous church experiences years and years ago, but at Four Points, I'm just blessed because we have awesome volunteers, and they love to serve. They show up. We always need more, by the way. If Just a little plug in there. If you're interested in serving, please come see me after the service because we have lots of spots and love to get you plugged in somewhere serving others. But at Four Points, it's great. We have a lot of awesome volunteers. But imagine a marriage where both partners in the marriage were trying to focus on each other and the needs of the other person and how they outserve one another. Imagine a family that operated this way or uh, imagine a friendship. Imagine a life group that operated on trying to outserve one another. Imagine if you're a student and you go to school tomorrow. Imagine in, uh, finding someone that you're just like you're used to saying they're having a hard time fitting in, and you're like, well, I'm glad I'm not that weirdo. But maybe instead try to just go and outserve them by including them. Something simple. What about at your career? What about? Even if the project's not yours, what if you help someone out with a project that advanced their career, but it didn't? It wasn't going to advance yours? Isn't that such a strange concept? Like, do it for them, even though it's not going to benefit you. Help me live in a neighborhood where you can serve your neighbors and not expect anything in return. Just go do something for them. Go pull their weeds. Can you imagine that? You go, somebody, your neighbor pull up, and you're in their front yard just pulling weeds, and they'd be like, that's, that's when one of the best questions comes. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You, so you help somebody at work figure out a project that's not going to benefit you at all, and the, your, your coworker says, why are you doing this? I don't understand. That's when, you, that's when us as Christians, we have the best answer ever. It's because we're Christians, and that's how we roll. It's what we do. Jesus modeled it. He did it first. Because I love Jesus, Jesus saved me. And because of this, we get to serve you. I get to serve you. You're able to say, it was my pleasure. Just like the Chick-fil-A. Thank you for the opportunity. This week, I'm going to encourage you all to pray. God, help me keep score a different way. God, help me lose so that others could win. And God, help me lose my preference but I win in another way by serving others. If you do that this week, it is going to be a great week for you. I promise. Lord, help us live like Jesus. Help us serve like Jesus. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to share just a little bit about how we can serve to be more like you. Father, I thank you for everyone that serves here at Four Points, what they mean to me, what they mean to those first-time guests that walk in. Father, I just thank you for their heart. Continue to keep us serving one another always. In your name we pray. Oh, amen. Hey, so um, this is a cool moment. We talked about encouraging one another last week. And um, I just want to take a second to encourage you a little bit more. Look over your shoulder real quick. Oh, I know. I'm this is, blessed. This is called Legacy. So that's Austin's son. 
uh, who's serving our church while he's talking to us about serving our church, where tomorrow his dad will wake up and keep serving our church. Um, your example, parents, matters more than your words. Uh, they do what they see you do, not necessarily what they hear you say. Uh, I had a granddad that used to tell me, do not do as I do do, do as I say. It never worked. Instead, I, I want to encourage you, Austin, because you serve our church incredibly well. In fact, I have to have consistent conversations about you being selfish. Like, don't serve that church across town that takes up an hour a week asking you questions. Don't serve that gospel-promoting guy that comes by, this, these are real people, that comes by to get you to help him with his graphics and run his website. Why are you the financial advisor for like 15 different businesses where you're running their books? Like, I'm consistently like, just be a little selfish, Austin. Be a little selfish. And so I just want to encourage you that because of your service, we're a better church. We represent Jesus in a better way. And uh, I appreciate you bringing the word. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, love, I love where he started in Galatians 5. It, it, it essentially sets the tension up. We either serve and give to each other or we bite and devour each other. My question to you is what kind of church are we? Are we the kind of church that serves our neighborhood or are we the kind of church that takes from our neighborhood? One speaks to the gospel. One speaks to the carnality of the world. Uh, in your marriage, do you have the kind of marriage where you serve each other or are you biting and devouring each other? You get where this is going. At work, is it all about you getting your paycheck and your promotion or is it about you representing the kingdom of God where we can take the towel and we can wash the feet of those around us and we can serve because it's about him elevating our position, not us elevating our position in our own time frame and in our own way. So we, we get this unique opportunity to be a peculiar people. Like, like, you just need to embrace that. You want to follow Jesus? Peculiarity follows that. Jesus doesn't make sense to a world that's running out of time to build their sandcastles. It only makes sense whenever he's the rock. It only makes sense whenever he's everything. It only makes sense when he's the treasure. And so I just want to encourage and challenge you that this peculiar way of living that considers others as better than yourself, that uh, loves each other, not in a transactional way, but in a covenantal way, this encouragement kind of living that points to the work of Jesus and imperfect people who continue to make failing step after failing step, that, that this way of taking the towel when you should be in the seat that should be recognized in worship, but instead washes the feet, that that is the normal Christian life, that pride and arrogance in this self-promotion of like getting a, a following of worshipers around you, that that is anti-Christian, but that the humble path, the narrow way, looks a whole lot more like a towel in a water basin and doing the dirty stuff that no one else wants to do in the name of Jesus. So may you be a peculiar people. May you be weird. May you not make sense. We're going to have a prayer team that's going to come forward as we sing this song of invitation. Then we're going to take communion together. Uh, and so if you have prayer needs, could we serve you? If you're suffering and hurting, can we serve you? You move as the Lord leads. In Jesus' name, amen.